Hi everyone, welcome to This Is Womanhood. I realise that it's been quite some time since I last put a podcast live, but as with everything in my life, I tend to just wait for the inspiration and the motivation to flow through me to release anything out into the world. And yeah, it arrived, so here I am. I was recently interviewed by two women who came to courses of mine and workshops of mine last year and then started their own podcast and being interviewed by them reminded me of how much I love doing this podcast I just really love speaking to people and having conversations about the things that I'm passionate about and hearing them talk about what they're passionate about There's just nothing better than seeing someone speak about the thing that lights them up and I really love it. So here I am, I'm back doing this podcast. And yeah, you know, I'm really glad that I get to call this my work because the reason that I started this podcast was from running my women's circles and hearing people share in so openly and vulnerably about their experiences and their life really inspired me. And that's really what this podcast is all about. So today I am chatting to the lovely Miriam. So she's moon underscore body on Instagram. And she has a lot of overlap into the work that I do. So she is a sexuality coach, a menstrual coach and women's healer and coach. And so the podcast today, we talk about all of that stuff. So sexuality, you know, healing, the relationship to feminine sexuality and creativity and where that taboo has come from and why as women we feel so much shame around these parts of our lives that are actually not only not something to feel ashamed about but are actually our power you know our cities which we talk about in this episode so our menstrual power our sexual power and these conversations i feel uh, can be triggering i've noticed for a lot of women because it's not talked about, because it's seen as very secretive and taboo and something that we must keep private. But that's why I feel that we need to keep having these conversations because the more that you feel shame around these parts of your life and these parts of your body and the processes that are just a natural part of being a woman, then the more it's gonna create tension and gonna create a feeling of dis-ease in the body you know when we want to go the opposite way and create ease and harmony and ecstasy so we dive into it all in this podcast and I hope that you enjoy this conversation firstly welcome to the podcast thank you so much for being here thank you for having me love So to kick off, if you would like to just tell us a little bit about you, about your background. I know that you do such beautiful work and I'm really interested to know where it all began and what has led you on this journey to to Moonbody, which is you and Body right now. Yeah, thank you, love. Wow. As you asked me, I'm like, I'm looking out my window in Portugal in my house and there's this big oak tree And I've been looking at this tree all through the summer and the spring. And now it's all autumnal. And it reminds me of a tree in my garden when I was a little girl growing up in Somerset, which is where all this stuff begins for sure. You know, I was brought up in beautiful countryside near Avalon, near Glastonbury. Mm. And so, you know, I was born basically in Avalon. So that's going to do something to you. I was going to do something to you. And it's funny because I wanted to get away. I was like, get me out of here. I need to go and see the world. And everyone I met on my travels was like, whoa, Avalon, I'm going on a pilgrimage there. And I'm like, I'm trying to get away. Everyone's trying to go there. Like it's this, it is this magical, mystical place for sure. It's just, you know, when you grow up there, you have a different connection to it. But so I was I was brought up really close to nature and I was in love with the with the stories of the goddess and Greek mythology and fables. And we have like a really rich tradition in the West Country of like ghost stories and in England in general, don't we? Of, we have some good tales. Yeah. 
I loved all that stuff and I was fascinated by magic and witches and always like with the feminine and then I kind of it kind of got lost a little bit for a few years as I was growing up as I was being a teenager you know as it does you're (laughs) you're doing other things and then I started to get really bad periods and I had really painful periods and really bad PMS where I was very emotionally volatile, um, heavy periods, long periods, really painful. So painful. I had to bosh loads of ibuprofen and other strong painkillers. And it was when I left England, when I was in my mid twenties, that I had this kind of, you know, what you might call an awakening, but I would call a remembering. And I realized like, hold on, bleeding is we all all women are bleeding right and all these women including myself are suffering so much how can that be like why is that that can't be natural and basically that led me on this path to realizing that that's not normal and that not only can I heal my periods but actually that journey of healing my period became this unraveling of all the ancient feminine wisdom in my lineage, in my body. And then, you know, I've never looked back. Mm, Beautiful. So let's dive into that journey a little bit more. So you are in your mid mid twenties, you're starting to travel, you're still having all of these period pains. And I, how did that exactly the same myself like horrendous periods when I was younger mm. um so what were the first things that came to you on that path to healing your periods and to unpacking the truth around menstruality and menstruation what did that look like for you that journey hmm. first it started with the body the very physical stuff right yeah and I think it often does. Mm. You're a yogini. The anamaya kosha, the physical body is mm. kind of the gross body is where we start, don't we? And then we go into the more subtle layers. Mm-hmm. So I started to like to learn about detoxification and the gut and hormones and change my diet. So I eat a very high fruit, high raw plant-based diet. And I have done for many years. Um, so that was the big beginning. And I think within that, within realizing that the way that the world feeds itself or the kind of the products and produce that are mass produced in supermarkets and, you know, packaged processed foods, they are so unfit for human consumption. I kind of, within that, I realized like, it's almost like a conspiracy theory, isn't it? It's it's like why would why do all the major food retailers and food producers make food that is unfit for human consumption what I mean by that is of course if you eat like a box of granola bars you're not gonna die but your body if it's full of weird sugars and weird grains and weird binding agents your body can't digest it properly and there'll be a residue of it left in your intestines and I realized how much of the period pains women suffer from and period problems is related to the gut and the foods that we eat so that became this huge unraveling and when I started to eat differently and detoxify my body my consciousness really shifted and became things became a lot lighter and more aligned in my life which led to a lot of kind of synchronicities and just more ease and gentleness Mm -hmm. and from then on things kind of rapidly started to change in all areas of my life. Mm. yeah it sounds very similar to my journey actually definitely started on the physical side and I was raw for many years in fact I'm not anymore but yeah I was for a while and so the more spiritual side of it those kind of teachings where was the kind of pivotal moment or what was the pivotal teachings that started to dip your toe into that side of things I know you said that when you were younger it was very much in your blood and you know connecting to the goddesses and things like that but when did that start to come back into your life and in what capacity oh I love that question I think it would be for through yoga Mm. 
So I was really lucky. And my first experience of yoga was with a proper, really good teacher, a British Indian teacher who had it in his blood and who was teaching like beautiful classical Hatha yoga with mantra and, you know, all of the pieces of yoga, not just the asana. So that was my first experience of yoga, which was really convenient because it gave me a taste of, oh, wow, this is what yoga is. And that's always been my benchmark with all my future teachers and trainings and the way I teach and practice. So that was my first kind of foray or like remembrance of, of a spiritual path. And then through there, I did trainings and I did, you know, I practiced for quite a few years before I started teaching myself. And then when I started to teach myself, I was living in Thailand and teaching at a healing center. And after my classes, all of these, I would say little things in my classes, like if you're menstruating, you know, don't go too crazy. You don't need to like do really deep abdominal twists. And if you're menstruating, don't do your Udiana Banda. Don't, you know, all these obvious things. And at the end of class, women would say, wow. Why do you say not to do that? Nobody's ever told me that before. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not really that. I mean, it's obvious why, right? Because you're menstruating, your womb is almost twice the size. So I don't want you to be pumping it in and out of your body. It's going to be not very healthy and it's going to be uncomfortable. And, and I want you to rest because this is a time for you to rest. And I was basically saying things that are kind of common sense, but people were like, what? as if they'd never heard this before in any yoga classes. And that was when I was like, wow, the way that modern yoga has been kind of taken away from its roots has really removed a lot of core teachings. Not that the core teachings necessarily had that much about menstruation in, I don't think. Um, but anyway, it inspired me to start to really see the the connection between the body and the spirit and how menstruation as a spiritual practice was something that women would really benefit from remembering mm. for all levels of kind of healing mm, yeah definitely so just for people who don't know your work just tell us a little bit about kind of what it is that you do and how you work with the feminine now and then we dive into it and unpack it all. <laughs> yeah. So my work is always changing. And if I was to kind of sum it up, I would say that what I'm doing is I'm helping women remember how the womb, how their womb is, has two main cities or powers, menstruation and sexuality. And how when we are able to fully connect with these two powers as initiations, we come back to our wholeness as women. Mm, I love that summary. <laughs> it's beautiful. And there's just so much in that and there's so much power in that. And I know that we've kind of briefly spoken about before the fact and I've seen you obviously I've been following you and your work and so I see what you share about this this absence of that within our society this absence mm -hmm. of those studies that we have access to that not only women don't realize that they are powers but on the opposite end of the spectrum, there is so much shame and secrecy and denial of what is actually our inherent truth. Mm -hmm. And why do you, this is a big question, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, <Sorry. why? laughs> but why do you feel that is, like, where do you feel that comes from? I mean, we could go into this, we could have a whole podcast about this, but <laughs> just to start to unpack it a little bit, where do you feel like that deep shame and secrecy has arisen from? I mean, this is me trying not to go on a rant. This is my face when I try not to go on a rant. Like, rants are welcome. Rants are definitely like, welcome. I love but I'll try, I'll do a mini rant because it's a lot of material to rant on. Um, <laughs> so I think to sum it up, I would say like an inherent fear of the feminine that we can trace back to history. Mm -hmm. So we can trace it back to this 
historical moment where the goddess worshipping cultures of Europe, suddenly there was a switch, there was an invasion from um, these other, this other European tribe that was like northwesterly and was more of a solar sun god worshipping tribe and it came down into Central Europe and just decimated these more peaceful um, matrilineal cultures and we have evidence that they didn't have weapons and they were great artisans and made beautiful crafts and it was obviously just a more of a chilled place and yeah and so in this there's this huge switch that went on from the earth mother goddess fertility and obviously blood blood was revered blood was painted onto crevices in caves or not blood but red dye to dye it to look like a bleeding yoni you know as a way of um uh making sacred the land so blood was not feared back then and then this huge switcheroo is like blood is bad women are dark women are connected to the dark and suddenly this switch of dark the dark moon as mystical the dark night sky as magical dark being something very holy profound and deep now has been inverted to be evil and sinful and scary and bad so i think it all comes from here that there is this inherent power of the dark and of the feminine that was so powerful that had to be inverted and repressed in this really violent way mm. for other people to take power mm. yeah yeah i definitely feel that and so I feel also, obviously, you know, through the work that I do, through the work that you do, through everything that we see and how there's a shift in consciousness happening right now, that we are reclaiming our connection to the goddess, to the dark, and reframing our the narrative that we have around darkness, you know, around the yin, around the feminine, and it is such important work. And you can see it in so many parts of society. I think we've still got a long way to go, but it's happening. So what has that looked like for you personally in your own life, like reclaiming your connection and your relationship to darkness? Oh, it's meant being really weird and doing loads of weird stuff by myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, I mean, it's meant my journey, my journey that I, I'm only just really coming to terms with this being okay because it's not very societally approved, but I've had to spend quite a lot of time by myself, especially in the last year kind of by chance, the end of a relationship, moving to a new country, but also in a kind of initiatory sense. I've gone through these periods in my life where I've just been like by myself for nearly a year. It's happened a couple of times and it's kind of, it's this weird accident, but not accident, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, well then I bet, I guess I'll just do all this stuff and I'll learn all these things and I'll come back to myself. So it's looked like spending time by myself and remembering things like for sure I read some great books I'm, a, I'm an avid reader I have a few teachers and mentors who teach me and initiate me but then being alone in nature working with the plants so I'm very fond of my plant medicines um the this is what it has looked like for me and also of course it's not pretty <laughs> it's not pretty peeling back years of internalized patriarchy and internalized misogyny internalized racism as well because this is another component of fear of the dark is fear of the the black skin of the original mother of all beings there's an element of this in it as well it's Whew, and that is some deep stuff. Um, so yeah, it's also a beautiful journey and it's sensual and it's deep and enjoyable and pleasurable at times. And it's also doing lots of work by myself with the plants and trying to mend, mend relational connections as well with family and ancestors, um, which is also not always easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, I feel that there's so many parallels. Like, I just speak and I'm like, yep, that's what it feels like, right? The same for me. I mean, I don't get to spend that much time on my own having a six year old, but oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for me, that journey's been, I guess, motherhood, like the initiation to motherhood. So I suppose uh-huh. that's the thing that the feminine finds all of us in different ways, in different capacities, but you can't run from her. Like, you've kind of lean in, you know? So, and that's oh, yeah. obviously what you're doing with, you know, spending time alone and in nature so those let's start to unpack those the weird things that we do when we're on our own Mm. (laughs) I feel like that's probably a good place to go because there's so much of this work that like you said is I guess you know people find to be shameful and to be secretive about and are scared of the feminine you know, if this is all rooted in the fear of the feminine, then how can we expose what the feminine is and reassure people that they're safe to be in the dark and there are practices that can support them through reestablishing their connection to the feminine, you know, and I suppose that is kind of the work that, you know, you do, that I do, and many other people do. But yeah, let's kind of start to dive into that, the the practices. And I guess maybe a good place to start would be, what would your daily routine look like? Like, how do you move through your day from that place of being in connection to the feminine? Mm, thank you, love. Well, as like you, as we already spoke about before we were recording, we both shared what day of our cycle we're on, because it's just like instinctual for us, those of us who work with cyclical wisdom so I'm on I said I'm on day four I'm not I'm on day five I'm on day five of my cycle um so right now in the inner spring I would be usually a little bit more active coming out of my moon lodge my menstrual phase and you know if you'd asked me that question like a few months ago I probably would have listed off all my practices like oh I do yoga and I do breath work and I do I'm in nature and then I take some mushroom and then uh, and right now things are kind of shifted a little bit where I really I've been doing my practices for nearly a decade now like my core practices which are energy work you know embodiment work sexual practices the jade egg being in nature and right now I'm going through this phase of dropping everything and I don't mean I'm never going to do my practices again I will because I need them if I don't do them I'll not be very healthy and I'll yeah there'll be trouble but right now I'm like for me how I'm finding the feminine more and more is in this process of just non-doing and just finding her not when I'm like in my nice yoga outfit on my mat and my house is perfectly clean and it smells of herbs and it's like, oh, aren't I the perfect spiritual woman? I'm Now I'm looking for, you should see my house today. I've been really busy in the last few days and my house is like a bomb site. It looks like I've been burgled. That's basically my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm there with you. <laughs> And it's just me. You have a child, you know, this is, I did all this myself. Um, (laughs) And I'm just like, I have my candle here. And I just sat this morning in my chaotic house with my candle and just melted into the perfection of, and the ripeness of the, the moment of every moment without trying to really do anything fancy or clever. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So this is coming to me more and more practices like this. It's like put down the practice. Stop trying to meet. She's saying like, stop trying to meet me in these complicated ways. Like I'm always here. Mm. Absolutely. Like we don't need the bells and whistles, like things. I, I totally resonate with what you're saying, you know, because I think, and again, that's, I guess we have this idea of what the feminine is. We have this idea of how to be a good spiritual person, you know, and actually for me, going back to like being a mother and that was really the initiation for me into the feminine and into that undoing. Mm, and wow, it was 
you know, being able to sit there in the moments of my hair's a complete mess, my boobs are out, rock hard because I've been breastfeeding, I've not slept, the house is a mess, I just, but you know, not, I just look a mess, feel a mess, my body felt broken, but in that moment, I was so held by the feminine in that messy postnatal boobs spouting everywhere you know what I mean and it's in those moments that for me I've accessed divinity way more than if I'm getting on my yoga mat for an hour like militant practice every day you know because it's like exactly like you said she's there waiting for you just to lean back into the feminine and that is really what motherhood has taught me and really what working with the menstrual cycle has taught me you know going into that in a winter and that is what healed my relationship to my cycle and to my periods you know like I was saying it used to be so difficult and so painful and just being able to sit with that energy of darkness and stillness and surrender is for what I found in my life the ultimate feminine Mm-hmm. Or not the ultimate feminine, that's not the, really the right way of putting it, but the feminine that we fear, the feminine that we don't like to put on display. Mm, yeah. So what's your, been your relationship to your menstrual cycle as you start to integrate that more into your life and that kind of feeling of being able to surrender into those quiet moments in between the practices, the moments in between the good spiritual woman <laughs> you know what I mean the messy parts the chaotic parts as you lean into that and start to just be I guess find acceptance and comfort there what has that impacted your menstrual cycle or what's that journey been like for you I've been practicing menstrual cycle awareness for many years now and it's just so second nature Mm. it's so embodied you know I just follow that flow of energy my cycle is so balanced I have like two days of bleeding very fresh red beautiful healthy blood very minimal like a tiny little crampy twinge maybe Mm. No, no PMS not even a hint Um, so I have like, what I would say is almost like a perfect cycle, but I also don't like to say perfect because circles aren't perfect. They're just, it's just natural. Right. And I don't want to create like this idea of a goal or something, but just compared to how I used to bleed, it's kind of a miracle. Mm. So as I, and for me, the, as you said, the winter phase, the surrender phase for me, this is like the holy grail this is the piece of the puzzle that I just wish and I'm I'm obsessed with it as well because what happens when we bleed it's so freaking magical and if you're you know I get sometimes people on Instagram being like what are you on about (laughs) like this is bullshit like what do you even mean like falling into the dark or like falling into the void and it's like wow like people really really don't don't get it some I mean many people do but some people are like what is she talking about Mm -hmm. but there is this experience we have of when you are in this space of allowing yourself just to be where you fall into the void during your bleeding days because that's the kind of your consciousness is in this different space and there's this like this sense of falling through space and time into this bottomless kind of cave of surrender and just peeling off more and more layers of doing coming back to being and yeah there's there's this there's this ecstasy there right you've experienced this Mm. menstrual ecstasy or ecstatic menstruation and I just feel like yeah, it's so powerful. Absolutely. I just don't you just want everyone who's interested. I have friends who are like, I like my coil, I don't like my period. I'm like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Do your yeah. thing, but just obviously don't come to any of my workshops ever, please, friend, because you'll hate it. But so I have mad respect for people who aren't into it. Good for you. Go do your thing, enjoy your life. But for me, 
I, I can't get enough and I know you're the same and it's just like I just want everyone who has a bad period to, to not have to have a bad period anymore mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and like you say about that ecstasy and I feel like this will kind of segue well into more kind of the sexuality side of it but the blissfulness that is available to us as people with wombs you know like people who menstruate it's just so profound I just want to scream about it from the rooftops about the pleasure that is available to us the ecstasy and that can come through you know it's not just through having sex at all it's Mm. through this connection to the deepest parts of yourself and I found that through menstruality like you talk about what you talk about the menstrual cycle these ecstatic bleeds it's just so there's not even a word to describe it to actually name that feeling of being able to just surrender to divinity and it is difficult because it does sound woo woo you know people listen to that sentence and be like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) because especially if you've lived your whole life having cramps having pms like how can someone talk about the periods being like you know as pleasurable as sex that doesn't make any logical sense but that's the thing it's like no this is it's the feminine so it doesn't have to make logical sense it's about being experienced and embodied and like in Oh, just this exhale. I I really do. I just want to scream it from the rooftops like you. I just feel like I want everybody to have access to that because we do all have access to it. It's just if you choose to take that journey or not. And again, like you said, some people aren't interested in that and that's fine, you know, but for people who are hearing that call, it is absolutely available to them. And I feel like I just, I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I do because I want to it'll share that feeling in and connect people to that truth so kind of moving from that space if you're thinking about you know the ecstasy that you experience through the menstrual cycle and I guess that's sort of the dark side of the cycle but then there's this other side of the cycle this you know in a summer a sexuality or fertile ovulatory time of the cycle and I know that you do a lot of work with sexuality and sacred um sex magic let's just call it that (laughs) so let's start the conversation about that because I think that that would really interest people as well because again just as the you know this inner winter this surrender into the divinity of your bleed into the darkness is seen as shameful and fearful and something to keep secret it's also on the other side of the cycle you know this in a summer this sexuality this you know being in your sexual sovereignty is just as much taboo if not more potentially so yeah let's dive into that conversation and your work with sexuality so what does that look like for you my work what does the work I do look like yeah or even just in your own life so kind of stepping in and I guess reframing the societal stigma around female sexuality Mm, yeah love it's a big one isn't it like it's changing though hey absolutely yeah so cool when we were younger it wasn't like that it's really changing um let me think so when did I start doing this stuff I guess through yoga I realized like wow these yoga spaces are really anti-sex this is weird it's like women have breasts and your breasts are part of your yoga practice but if you say like, and you can move your boobs out the way, people are like, oh, boobs in yoga, no, you know, or, you know, when you do yoga, you get really attuned to energy and you notice like, wow, sexual energy is moving through my body. That is alive. And so it's, it's weird how the two things are so kind of separate in a false way. And I really noticed that as I, when I was in Thailand and I was teaching at this retreat center, um I also was studying Taoism and Tantra and so I started to learn a lot more about yeah the 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 idea of how the body works and how sexual energy is so connected to to spirituality and spiritual energy and through the jade egg practice I just fell in love with yonis and orgasms and vaginal fluids and just everything yoni and I just uh, yeah I just 
how when you have a few do you use a jade egg glove I do have one but it is actually it's not jade it is rose quartz so uh-huh. I, I want to get a jade one actually I, was, I need to ask you about that I'll write if you, you have, one. do you have do you sell them I I don't sell them like to the public but when women do courses with me or retreats I sell them so I always have like a hundred at home in a box oh my goodness yes I'll send you one as a gift oh thank you so much so so let's talk about that a little bit actually because I think some people will not have a clue what jade practices is so just for the for the beginner if you can just explain a little bit about it okay so it's an ancient Taoist practice and it's thousands of years old and it uses a nephrite jade egg. You put it inside your yoni and there are lots of practices you do. There are practices before you put it in. So there's like energy practices and movement practices that are similar to, to Qigong. And actually they are kind of Qigong practices and moving energy, moving sexual energy through the glands of your body. So it's all about there's many things, there's many pieces of the jade egg puzzle. One of them is it creates more dexterity in your yoni. So that means that your yoni is stronger and can feel more pleasure and is more sensitive. And it also gives you this more rooted feeling in this very deep core of your body. So your pelvic diaphragm becomes a lot stronger and that just changes how you interact with the world and your lower body in general, which is like the seat of your power, the seat of your ancestors in your body so we really want to be connected to that part that has been demonized and shamed as you're like going to go blind if you touch it or whatever kind of things they used to say in in Victorian times Um, you're going to grow hair on your palms is one if you masturbate isn't it that these things have just been programmed into us over our ancestry like you say and we hold all of that within our bodies whether we consciously mm. know like we've heard these terms this will be within our bodies that's why this is just such important work anyway continue <laughs> and, you know even if you've never had a particularly traumatic sexual experience you might just hold loads of tension inside your yoni because you've been told or your mom and your grandmas have been told oh, that's dangerous, that's shameful, oh, don't do that. And so women come to me, they've never had anything bad happen to them, thank goddess, but they're just like full of tension and numbness and shame because they've inherited this legacy. And so the jade egg is beautiful for sexual trauma and like just getting more connected to your yoni, but there's there's some very technical uses for it as well, because as you develop the musculature of the pelvic diaphragm, you're able to move sexual energy into the other glands and organs of your body. So it's deeply, deeply healing stuff and it's very subtle and it's bloody magical, you know, you're stressed out. Women come to me stressed out. I teach them the jade practice. They lie down half an hour. They do the jade practice and they ring me the next day or well, they don't ring me. They email me and say, like, I had the best night's sleep of my life. And I just woke up feeling like a new woman. Mm. Now, it doesn't always happen like the first time. Some women are like, I felt nothing. But most of the time they have these profound experiences One woman, actually, she had like an operation recently, like a skin graft on her bum. And she accidentally slept with the egg in, which I don't recommend you do regularly. But if you forget about it one night, it's okay. And she woke up in the morning. She was like, I noticed the next day that the scar, the scar tissue, the like the the wound had started healing. Wow. I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, no, I'm absolutely deadly serious. This is in like 24 hours. So what happens is the blood flow, when you increase the blood flow to the area, if you have any, it's really good for postpartum women as well, because it it expedites healing of scar tissue. Any women who've ever had the Let's Leap procedure to remove abnormal precancerous cells on the cervix, I also highly recommend a jaded practice because it can start to regenerate the tissue. Wow. It's pretty magical, love. And this is, if you Google jade egg, the first searches are like, dangerous, oh. you're going to die. It's a scam. And sometimes people ask me, like, I've seen this. I told my friend I was going to your workshop and she sent me this article and I'm like, oh, God, I'm like, it's bullshit. 
it's total bullshit. And haven't you noticed this trend of when something goes a bit more mainstream, like yoni steaming or the jade egg, suddenly you get this backlash, like yoni steaming is dangerous. People are burning themselves and dying. Mm. The jade egg is going to give you toxic shock syndrome. It's like people drive cars and take planes and smoke and why are you so scared of women enjoying their pussies mm-hmm. absolutely relax yeah definitely the same i've seen that yeah with the yoni steam in particular that's something because i don't really work with a jade like i don't work it with it within in my work so much um but yoni steaming yeah i've seen that so many articles just scaring people and pushing them further and further away from these practices that are so healing and so beautiful and yet if a woman has numbness and is you know whatever else is going on then that's just considered normal in our society you know so it's like the opposite end of the spectrum is completely accepted and normal and encouraged and the secrecy is encouraged and then these practices that are opening the doors to our female sexual power are taboo and not allowed to be discussed and shamed and all the rest of it. It just, yeah, sometimes feels like we're fighting an uphill battle. But then at the same time, I feel the fact that, you know, those top searches on these search engines are things that are making these practices seen as negative things are showing that this shift in consciousness and is happening and the these practices are becoming more mainstream so I guess it's just a positive that we need to take um because people must be doing it you know well people are yeah. doing it obviously so in, terms of, so in terms of the the jade egg practices what do you how has that impacted other areas of your life so the sexuality piece what's kind of come moving through you from that place as a result of these practices and other things that you do? Well, I have a very strong vagina. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. I can do things that are amazing. You know, it's like sex is way more enjoyable for me and for my, my partner who doesn't exist right now, but when he appears for him it will be again um but uh and it just feels different love it's like when you have this really strong connection to your yoni and she's really dexterous and I use this word dexterous instead of strong because often women are taught to do kegels which is like squeeze you know and that actually isn't an ideal thing to do we want to have dexterity which is relaxation and strength in balance so dexterity is the way forward when it comes to yoni musculature but it also means I don't know really it's I don't give so much of a fuck in life about silly things and I think a lot of that is when you are running a lot of orgasmic energy through your body you have a lot more balanced hormones you're more relaxed And you're also, it's very powerful for, yeah, for being more aligned with the current of life. It just feels good. It just feels really good to be connected to your sensuality. And of course, it's a very yin cultivating practice. And we live in this hyper-masculine, yang, dominant world, as you're well aware. So having this practice that like floods your system with yin energy is really good for a woman. Mm, it's magical actually it really is it's like people ask me why are you so relaxed all the time I'm like (laughs) it's many things but the jade egg is one of them you know Mm, absolutely yeah I hear you and what are the other practices so the jade egg practice how often do you do the jade egg practice by the way Mm. it's just more intuitive yeah I would say no more than four times a week I'm usually like a two or three a week girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, so what are the other practices that you have in your life? So the jade egg, um, what else does your... I do my yoga, my qigong. Mm-hmm. I try and take like a re- relatively strong dose of psilocybin 
Mm -hmm. a couple of times a month or you know once a week or so that's a big one that I do when I go out into nature by myself or or if friends are nearby and they want a trip then we can also do that together mm. which is really fun um and but also like regular self-pleasure so using my hands and my wands to kind of reopen up my body and and de-armor my yoni mm-hmm so a kind of internal massage that releases numbness and makes certain points of your yoni more orgasmic. So I work a lot with my cervix and my G-spot. Then um, what else do I do? I work with herbs a lot as well and plants, medicinal plants. Um, and yeah, make a lot of tinctures and teas and concoctions for myself and my clients, which is a big like passion of mine doing that kind of plant work as well and then I've kind of drawn a blank I think I do a lot of other things but I can't kind of remember them right now that wants to be shared right now that's wonderful and in terms of the the herbs and things that do that you use do you go out and you forage them so I know you're in Portugal at the minute do you use herbs that are native to the land where you're at or do you use herbs that are native to England where you grew up or what does that do you just get them online what does that look like for you mm, a little bit of all three there's some that I can't get in here that I have to buy mm-hmm. in the shop so actually I used to live in Switzerland and Switzerland has really good herbs so when I make yoni steam um, blends for my clients that's usually Swiss herbs that I've got from the apothecas there are so good you go in and it's wall-to-wall herbs wow. and you order like can I have a box of roses please and like can I have a box of oat straw and they just give you these boxes of herbs and it lasts for ages it's so nice but then also there are a lot of local there are a lot of things in Portugal that you get in England that I already know kind of like generic herbs and then I've had to relearn some Portuguese herbs as well that I don't know what they are but I'm learning what they are now and mm. yeah that's fun too Actually, I was just thinking of you speaking about yoni steaming, because that's another thing that maybe people who are listening will not know what that is. So do you just want to explain a little bit about yoni steaming for those who are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, of course. So it's a, its roots are in, uh, its roots are African and European. There's also evidence of really early European use of, of herbal vaginal steaming, also called peri steaming or pelvic steaming. And basically... It's so powerful. I just want to say that if you have cysts or fibroids, anyone listening, work with a practitioner. I've helped some women this year and last year actually release fibroids, mainly through yoni steaming and some dietary changes that stop them having to have um, operations in hospital to remove fibroids and save them a lot of money and stress and health in the process. So um, yeah, it's so effective. But even if you like, I don't have any gynecological issues. I just love it. But what happens is, even though I was saying I have these good periods, I still release old blood when I steam. Right. And so that's interesting because, you know, technically to look at all the signs of my period, you'd be like, oh, she's really healthy. But then there's still old blood in the womb. And this is really common, especially any women listening who have a lot of clots or dark blood in their period. That's often a sign that there is lots of old stagnant blood in your womb and that your womb blood isn't flowing fully out through your period, which is we want the blood that's there to come fully out. So there's certain herbs that you can take for that as well to increase the flow. But basically yoni steaming is such a soothing, relaxing practice. You get your herbs, put them in a pot, cover it with hot water, and you can get special pots that make it a lot easier. You can get stools, wooden stools that you sit on, or you can kind of fashion a makeshift thing. And of course we don't make it too hot. Otherwise we do what those Google Google searches say, and we burn burn our labia. (laughs) burn our vulva so and then you sit over it for mm, maybe up to 10 minutes you see how you go but it's really important that you get the right herbal blends obviously because some herbs have different properties for different things so you want to work with a practitioner to make sure that she or he is giving you the correct herbs you need but it's so soothing Mm -hmm. isn't it 
it's yeah. like it's so relaxing yeah it's one of my favorite practices yes yeah and I notice a difference in my like if I haven't done it for a month I'll notice a difference yeah. in how my bleed shows up for sure yeah. it is it's such a powerful and like you say so soothing and it it's just the fact that you don't have to do anything you know obviously you've got to set it up and whatever but it's just that it, again it's just like kind of connecting to that feeling of surrender and just yeah. letting the healing happen to you it really mm. drops you into that feminine which mm. yeah I love I love that as a practice yes so in terms of I'm just thinking about you talking about the um mushroom journeys that you go on and also with the self-pleasure do you use these practices intentionally as i.e you would set intentions when you move into these practices or is it more just diving in and see what happens <laughs> you know what I mean I'm just thinking about it from a perspective of so I know with a lot of people would use self-pleasure for like manifestation and things mm -hmm. like that so is that something that you do yeah it's at the beginning I was more kind of okay, this is my intention, then I do the thing. Mm -hmm. And now as my life kind of becomes more just generally intentional, it kind of happens organically. But what you said is, you know, basically sex magic, right? Diverting or focusing your sexual energy, your orgasm towards in a, in a direction, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is something I do often. I, I have a lot of reticence around the word manifestation because mm, yeah. I'm not when I said that, I was thinking, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but yeah, let's just call it sex magic. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nothing to, it's all good, but I feel like sometimes or often in the online sphere, um, manifestation is kind of sold as this idea that you're like, trying to get something out of the earth and it has this extractive quality to the use of the word sometimes that I don't vibe with like everything is already here there's abundance but you can use when you make your channel your vessel more attuned to certain things those things that you desire will find you with greater ease Mm. aka manifestation but avoiding saying it <laughs> so yeah sex magic is really really powerful actually in my a course that I've just opened yesterday psychical woman we have on our in our ovulatory phase a sex magical a sex magic ritual practice that I teach and this is because it's as you mentioned the peak of the month peak of estrogen peak of energy so when we use self-pleasure intentionally at that time and we meditate and intend and get really clear on what we desire, then we can fire that out into the universe, that orgasmic energy as a way of calling in, yeah, the deepest desires of our heart, of our soul. Mm, yeah, yummy. <laughs> yeah. I'll have some, please. Yeah, definitely. And I guess it's, I feel also to mention at this point, because because there is so much shame around sexuality and around our physical bodies as humans, but particularly if you are in a female body. And I know you're talking about working with your cervix and using yoni wands in order to do that and yoni massage. That these, I mean, and I do the same. And I feel that it's important to say that these practices aren't always ecstatic and that's not the right word it's ecstatic but I guess what I'm trying to say is it can bring up a lot you know because like we talked about so much is held within the vagina within our cervix within our wombs and yeah. so it's important that what am I trying to say I'm in the void so I know what you're saying <laughs> yeah just that basically there's so much there that it can feel like we're we're coming up against a trauma you know and it's it's so important to go gently I guess is what I'm trying to say with these practices because and also expect not necessarily expect but not be put off if these releases within your body can bring up tears can bring up very deep emotion can bring up emotion that you maybe didn't think was there you know it's not all love and light essentially mm. it's like you know when you work with your cervix when you work with cervical orgasm that can bring up anger and pain and trauma and so like how do you navigate that with clients to make sure that they're taking that journey in a safe gentle way that is trauma-informed 
I'm just pausing because I'm like feeling I'm feeling that yeah take it take the pause yeah you know I used to be like oh I'm trauma-informed I'm trauma-informed I'm trauma-informed everything trauma-informed a few years ago and then as I got into a little bit deeper into what I do I realized that like I'm gonna be if I'm guiding you I'm gonna be being safe and holding and being trauma-informed of course right but at the same time it's kind of you can't make things safe that are not safe mm. and what I mean by that is I can't con- I can't control that you're going to have like a, an easeful experience when you touch yourself after years of not touching yourself if that's the case or after years of feeling traumatized and and it does unleash a lot of stuff so all we do is go slow mm-hmm. go slow and and also do the grounding work so you really want to like feel safe in your body I never go straight to sexy stuff with people I'm always like we connect with the womb and do work to you know practice self-holding making sure people can hold themselves through being activated if things come up that are harder and what you said is so on point about it's not all love and light and orgasms and rainbows it really isn't and you have to be prepared for that that you will touch a place of deep grief in your body when you start to do sexuality work like you will it's inevitable everyone will and you'll keep touching it because life has grief in it and you know you can have the most joyful orgasmic life but that doesn't mean you will ever remove grief and nor would you want to right because it's an intrinsic part of being human so yeah Mm, yeah yeah absolutely and I you know we just we hold all of that within these parts of our bodies you know and and so it is like exactly like you said it is we're going to touch it it's going to come up and that's why I feel that you know like you were saying before that some people just aren't interested in this work and that's absolutely okay because sometimes it's just you know they might not be interested in it because there's just a lot there you know it isn't easy work like you say you're never going to be able to promise someone that it's going to be easeful and actually it's not going to be easeful and I think that committing to these practices and to this way of being yes it opens you up to the ecstasy and the pleasure and all of that juicy stuff but it also opens you up to whatever is there and we live in a dualistic experience and so there's going to be both sides of the coin you know so I think it's also just about being open with people about what this journey really is you know on both sides of it um I think is important Mm. yeah something I found is the more resilient the more regulated my nervous system gets the more money I earn the more clients I hold the more whole and empowered I become I also make space for the depths of more grief and more rage and more so-called negative things which are not negative so it's like the deeper you go the more shit you actually open up to because that's you're opening up to life Mm, mm, yeah beautiful it's a beautiful way of putting it And just thinking about that, because obviously you run your business and everything, how do you have, how do you maintain the capacity to be able to hold all that you do? You know, like, so that opening yourself up to the abundance and the pleasure and all of that on the one side and open yourself up to the grief and all of the, as you say, this kind of shit on the other side, how do you hold that? Like what practices, or I mean, I suppose it is the practices that you would have been talking about, but what does that look like for you from more of a practical sense or practical lens, I guess, like being able to navigate all of that, hold the business going, hold yourself within that. What does that look like for you? Mm, It's very much a work in progress, love. Mm. Sometimes I smash it and I'm like, look at me doing everything and still resting. I'm like the poster girl of feminine business. And then I'm, 
like actually today I'm a I I didn't take my own medicine and I accidentally I had I had visitors who I really wanted to see during a busy work period and having the two things together. I'm here in my inner spring, but I'm like, I'm not experiencing the full powers of my follicular phase because I didn't fully rest in my menstrual phase. Um, so yeah, it's a balancing act and I'm not doing it perfectly, but um, something that helps a lot is to take really regular time away from screen. So I have fantastic assistant Rosa who is a legend and does a lot of my internet screen based work for me which is amazing and then I can just go off into the hills for three days and take some mushrooms and just <laughs> go and freak out in the hills. I think I just want to come and live with you like that's fine. <laughs> Please do. I'm just gonna move to Portugal and come off and take mushrooms in the hills like let's do it sister. Oh, come, around, come and see me it's, it's actually I'll be back in the UK soon and it's mushroom picking season there so who knows maybe I'll come and see you. Oh my goodness that is a great <laughs> I am holding you to that. <laughs> I'll do it. I would love to. Yes, that would be awesome. So, just finally, if someone's listening to this podcast and they can get him completely, I can't even form my words. This is what happens when you're in the void. Yes, Um, I love it. So, for someone who's listening to this podcast and is interested, it sparked their interest into this work, where would you say is like an easy start point for them? So maybe some practices that they can integrate into their life or even maybe books or resources that have been integral in your journey that are kind of a good starting point. What would you say to those people? Mm, I would say, feel your body, my love, massage your breasts. If, if like yoni work is, it feels a bit advanced or a bit too much, do breast massage every day um be in nature connect with your breath dance put on your favorite tracks and just move your body like a maniac um yeah just get into your body make sure you're surrounded by people who you want to be surrounded by I think that's a really key process for women on this path of remembering like I have shed a ton of people throughout my life And I think that's really healthy. And so many of us don't realize we're allowed to do that. Yes, you're allowed to not be around people who make you feel weird. This is your permission, your reminder that that's true. And then read some great books. Read Women Who Run With The Wolves by uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Dr. Pinkola Estes. And Wild Feminine by Tammy Kent, which has some really good practices in it for giving yourself self massage and connecting to your pelvic bowl um and just like just rest Mm, stop doing everything Mm, (laughs) chill out that is the absolute medicine i have a friend who calls me the rest fairy because i swear to god whenever we speak i'm like have you rested like you need to rest more stop doing things because she's so busy (laughs) and i'm like no like pull back pull back do less do less definitely Mm -hmm. so yeah i hear you and they are beautiful ways to start and amazing books which i will link below as well so finally if people want to work with you I will link all of your website and everything below but if you just want to tell people about how they can work with you where they can find you and all of that good stuff so you can feel my energy quite strongly if you go onto my Instagram at moon underscore body I just feel me if you're like oh then don't come and work with me it won't end well (laughs) (laughs) but if you're like oh then send me a message or go onto my uh, my bio and you'll see there's, I have like mentorship containers for one, three and six months. I have many online self-study courses. If you want to dip into my work, I have retreats. I'm actually giving a retreat in Switzerland over Samhain, mm. um, which is a jade egg retreat. So Switzerland, October 30th to November 1st. And I have two retreats in Italy next year, one in spring, one in summer, and more dates to be announced. So you could retreat, you could do mentorship, you could do courses. You could also jump in my membership if you just want to have a little wild woman taste 
just a little taste. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> so many amazing offerings. Oh, thank you so much for the work that you do. It is so beautiful and so necessary and needed. And yeah, it was so lovely to connect with you. So thank you for being here. And yes, I will definitely be meeting up with you and we'll have to connect in person because this is the first time we've connected actually other than on Instagram so yeah it's been really nice to be in this in this chat with you thank you so much thank you love absolute pleasure let's hang out in in real life take some mushrooms yeah go off into nature maybe you can come down to Glastonbury <gasps> I am there definitely that is okay. a great <laughs> We're doing great. Yes. Okay. Awesome, my love. Thank you. Thank you, love. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you have any questions or comments or feedback, then you can get in touch with me on Instagram. I am Gina underscore Torres, or you can contact Miriam on Instagram at moon underscore body. So all of those links are posted below. And I really like to hear from you, what you thought of this episode. And if it did trigger anything in you, if it's brought something up or you have a question or just something that you feel like you want to share about your experiences around the topics that we discussed today, I would love to hear from you. But yeah, thank you for listening and I will see you next time. Bye.